Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a... What am I doing again? I'm it's Sunday. Who knows? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not in work That's boundaries mode. for you. That is boundaries. <laughs> do I have a job? Yes, I do. Uh, I will the founder of Boldside and I'm an HR consultant. <laughs> Good for you, Shell. <laughs> hey, Shell. I'm Em. Emily Bowen, CEO of Rarekind. And we're off to a strong start on today's this is community con- Q&A of My Millennial Career. <laughs> so we have collated a whole bunch... Of, we are the height of professionalism here. We've collated a whole bunch of questions from the Facebook community and we're going to hit them. It's interesting, a lot of the career questions come in anonymously. So that's why you're here. We're not putting people's names because we don't have them. But if you do have questions you want to share with us and tell us your name, we appreciate that because then we can come back to you and see how things are tracking. So love the questions coming through and let's do it. Let's do it. All right, the first question that we're hitting ourselves with uh, today is all about burnout. So from our listener, uh, I'll read out the question. So I think I have burnout from many factors, mainly to do with family, long distance relationships, study and work. I love my job, but mostly because of the people I work with, not the job itself. I have recently applied for a position elsewhere and I'm torn about moving on from the people I work with who I love seeing every day. What happens if this new job doesn't work out as well? Given how I've been feeling recently with burnout, is taking on a new job something I need in my life right now? Mm, Wow. Big question. Yeah. And when they they say, I think I have burnout from many factors and then rattle off family, study, work and a long distance relationship, I'm like, yeah, there's a bit on this person's plate, right? Absolutely. It's a really tricky thing and burnout – Okay, here's like the truth from my perspective. Burnout, you're smiling. Burnout just doesn't go... What was in your coffee this morning? (laughs) Burnout just doesn't go away on its own. Oh, no. It just doesn't. It's not something you can ignore. And that's where I read this and I think, oh, I I do feel a little bit nervous about if you're you're thinking I'm really fatigued and, and burnout's not the same as tiredness. So let's just put that out there. It's like a really deep level of fatigue where you're feeling exhausted a lot of the time. You're finding you're needing to, like your um, emotions might be very close to the surface or the extreme other end of the spectrum might be you don't feel emotion at all and you find yourself very, um, I guess, drained a lot of the time. And my nervousness, if you're in that zone right now and you're jumping into a new job is that you haven't addressed the underlying problem. And you're just kind of taking that with you. And starting a new job is very taxing. Absolutely. Interestingly, and I, I thought this and I just did a quick double check by Googling as you were speaking, Shell. So um, I guess I want to hammer home as you've done how the seriousness of burnout for people who maybe aren't familiar with it. So anyone that's aware of the DSM-5 uh, 
it's not currently listed in there as a, a mental disorder or a mental condition. However, the World Health Organization does recognize burnout as an important occupational phenomenon. And they've got it under the category rather of factors influencing health status or contact with health st- services in their sort of um, listing and, and categorization, and there is discussion around whether or not it should be categorized as a mental disorder or mental condition. So it's something that does, as you say, it goes beyond just, oh, I'm feeling really tired or I'm feeling run down or I'm feeling like I've got a lot going on at the moment. There is a seriousness to it. And so I tend to agree with you, Shell. Something that perhaps this listener has on their side is that they've got wonderful people around them in their current workplace. And whilst they've said they love their job for the people, not the actual job itself, I'm not getting the vibe that they hate their their job. Like they don't hate what they're doing as such. So maybe it's bearable. And if they can be on autopilot somewhat or, you know, not have the pressure of learning a whole new job, a new workplace, new people, the unknown of that, and that can bring stress with it as well then maybe there's there's a better opportunity to recover and rebuild from that burnout in the current environment before making a change. Yeah, uh, that would be my advice as well. And even looking at can you take a bunch of leave? Can you take a month off, like a solid month at least is what I would recommend to anyone who's, I know there's a financial toll with that. And so I'm really like mindful of the impact of taking a month off and don't say that lightly. There's also a financial impact if you just ignore it because the 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 problem doesn't go away eventually your body again I'm not I'm not a health professional but I have gone through burnout myself and so I know this feeling of when your body just goes I'm out you didn't listen see ya and all of a sudden you have to take leave and you don't have a choice and so escalating the importance of this and saying don't mess around it is really serious and we want you to look after your health first because that's what gives you that long-term sustainable career. Also, Em, I love when you're referencing the DSM-5 because you're harking back to your psychology days. <laughs> I <laughs> am. And look, that might have only captured a, a portion of our listeners, but for anyone else that goes, oh, what does that acronym mean? We'll leave you to Google it and I, I'm sure that you'll learn something interesting. Uh, in, I've had my own experience with burnout too, Shell, and you're right. We absolutely need to call out that we're not health professionals and so our advice is somewhat driven by our own experiences and also perhaps the, I guess, knowledge that we have of, of other people's experiences and of the workplace and work and people and how that fits together. Something that was really useful for me was I got to a point where I felt like, so I actually didn't recognise that I was in that burnout space until I almost started to come out of it a little bit the first time. So it was almost like, I was able to look back and reflect and kind of go, oh crap, I think that's what that was. And that was because I just couldn't see the forest through the trees and I'd gotten myself into thinking, like I tricked myself that was normal. Uh, But I ended up falling into the trap again the second time. (laughs) I was about to say that when you say the word first time through a burnout, (laughs) then I'm like, okay, here we go. (laughs) But it was the second time was interesting because I, I did know what was coming and I tried to put the brakes on it but I wasn't sort of early enough, I guess, or successful enough with putting the brakes on it. So it wasn't nearly as bad, but I did dip back there. Anyway, on my journey, I got to the point where I'm like, I just, 
I've, I'm, I'm running out of ideas. I'm sick of feeling like this. And so I spoke to my GP and ended up getting a referral uh, to go and see a psychologist, found one um, on that referral that was that was a specialist in organisational and I guess career and work-based wow. um, troubles or problems or whatever we want. I don't like either of those words. They sound so negative. And, and this wasn't a negative thing. It was just a situation that I was working through and I'm kind of going, can someone, you know, help? And it was a very pragmatic series of conversations. It wasn't an overly emotional experience for me. It was just a little bit like if you go and see a personal trainer and they teach you techniques in the gym so that you can get the most out of your gym workout. It was somewhat, you know, in some ways it was no different to that, you know, sit down and it was that coaching around how can I actually apply some different techniques, ways of thinking. And I also getting the outsider's perspective was really, really useful because while I had a wonderful mentor and boss at work, they were just so close that, you know, I almost needed like a circuit breaker that was external. So it could even be an option in a situation like this before making a decision, even though, you know, recently applied for a position elsewhere, before making a decision whether or not to continue to actively look for other work or to change roles, maybe go in and seek that professional advice just to get a, a sounding board that's a little bit different and can look at this with a level of health expertise that you and I don't have. Mm, and that's a really good advice. And can I ask you another question? Of course. Have you had a third burnout? Ah, no. <laughs> good. Yes. So you've, le- you've I, learned yeah. the triggers. So that helped the seeing that organizational psychologist or a psychologist yeah. that focuses around work. That's right. Absolutely it did. And I still think about while some of the detail I'm sure, you know, has been lost on me over time because this is going back many years, I do still think about uh, some of the takeaways that I, I got from that and I apply them. So I, I guess while it hasn't happened again, it's because I've made some changes and I've practised those changes and they've become more autopilot for me. But it's also because I continue to remain very conscious of not falling back into those traps. So it's like a work, it's always like an active work in progress, I guess. Yeah, that's really good. All right, next question, M, is I'm in jobs, so this person does multiple jobs, that I love, but the income, current and future possible income, doesn't align with my financial and lifestyle goals. Should I give up on the jobs and step sideways and explore other career paths that I may not necessarily love, but pays me a decent amount more? And I am seeing there's a bit of fine print here. So these jobs are in physio and research. So I can see why they're saying I love them. You know, they're passion jobs, but they're not paying a huge amount. The thinking they've got as well also in the fine print is that because of that unique combo, there would be like more corporate sales roles that could pay 100K more uh, out there that she could easily achieve because of her diverse and unique skill set. So I like that the homework and that, you know, there's a lot of consideration there that's been done. Mm. Oh, Shell, I feel like this just goes down that path of what are your goals at the moment. And when we talk about goals, we talk about values and priorities and, and it's a topic that comes up often and it can change over time. So I'm thinking for this listener, if their goals at the moment, financial and lifestyle goals are based on or are going to be most achievable if they receive a high income, then perhaps now is the time to make that shift, knowing though that down the track, if those goals change or once those, you know, the current goals have been achieved and there's new goals, 
you could come back to love-based work. Yeah. The other thing that's really interesting is the diversity in what they're doing right now. So doing physio and research and doing, I think in the fine print, it was two days a week physio, three days a week as a research officer and comments was relatively low paying. Um, I think switching between two very different fields can actually be hard for you to build momentum in your career because you know when you're working on multiple projects let's say you're working on really complex projects and you're switching in and out and I know I would reference Cal Newport forever he talks a lot about jumping in and out of certain projects can cause you to not get that depth of work and that's depth of skill and I'm just wondering in this scenario with this listener of what does that mean for them going in and out as opposed to really investing and developing a deep skill set in something and doing that full time? Yeah, it's a good point. I wonder if they've ended up in this situation because maybe the work is not out there, so to speak. So perhaps there's only a two day a week physio role available. There's only a three day a week research role available, or at least that was the case when she's applied for and secured those roles. I guess my way of thinking about it is even if you consider, and this is sort of I guess, taking your idea uh, and extending it, Shell, if you consider how do you receive a promotion, which then typically comes with a pay rise, it would be more difficult, I would suspect, to do that when you're only working two days a week or three days a week in a role than if you're working five days, like if you're doing your full time in one or the other. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, 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 <laughs> I hear what you're saying there and go, part of me agrees and then part of me balks at that because I think that disadvantages every part-timer True, yeah, going around. And I think my thing is more about the split of careers than about like I think part-timers who work three days a week should absolutely have the same access to the same amount of promotions and pay rises that a full-timer does because yeah, I think – It's a good point. It's um, – so that's an aside. I, I – I suspect that if you're not, um, you love what you're doing, but you're also, your main priority is financial goals. So maybe you want to buy a house and you're, you're like, I just need to save as much money as I can, then go for it. Make the change. Like if that's your number one priority, you may sacrifice the job satisfaction, but if you're comfortable with that for a time and then once you achieve that financial goal, whatever that is, then you can, like you said, Em, you look and find I want to have that balance of income plus enjoying the job that I do. And I'm mindful that there's also a reference to lifestyle goals. So this idea might not suit this person specifically. But if, for example, physio was the end goal, so it's like go away, do a corporate sales role, earn heaps of money, buy the house. So let's take the financial goal. and then, But then longer term, actually physio is the career I studied and I, I love and I really want to be in that space, there might be room to approach some clinics and do some work on Saturdays or Thursday nights or, you know, those times when it's it's almost it's like that extra tack on. Now, it would mean still two jobs. It would mean probably doing more than a full-time role worth of hours a week. It does potentially help that little bit of booster with your financial goals, but I understand it might take away from your Saturday mornings, for example, and how does that impact lifestyle goals? So that could be another idea just to keep your foot in the door if you thought maybe you wanted to go back to physio after buying the house. Yeah, I love that. That's really good advice. Well, I hope we've helped you kind of figure it out. It does come back to your priorities though and working those through. 
All right, where are we going now? We're going to take a break now. Okay, good. <laughs> good. I feel like it's a break time. Can I have a cup of tea or you a coffee? You can. Go put the kettle on. We'll be back in a second to answer more of your listener questions. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Just a trigger warning with this one. This question hits on IVF and mental health. All right, Em, the next question is, is it worth taking a decent chunk of leave without pay for your mental health when going through a medical treatment like IVF to give yourself the best possible chance of success? Okay, so this is a, this is a big question and we've had actually quite a few questions around work, pregnancy, navigating, all these kinds of things and questions that it brings up because it can be really complicated and so we want to do this I guess this answer sensitively knowing uh, personally I have not had to go through the journey of IVF and so I want to acknowledge that up front and I don't know the ins and outs of how emotionally taxing and draining and difficult that would be. So I guess just being up front with that and acknowledging it. Yeah, I'm the same, Shell. Not something that I've had personal experience with. However, I have pondered it from time to time and particularly I guess where I've had awareness of other people going on that journey and I have thought about if I was in that situation from what I know, how would I navigate that? What could be some of the things that could come up for me? And I I have found myself wondering, well, from my understanding, physically and emotionally, and it will differ for everybody on some sort of spectrum, but physically and emotionally, there's absolutely a toll there. And it can be hard to show up to work when you've got something like that going on. And, And when there is a sense of not just that emotional but also that physical like maybe a little bit of unpredictability as well from one day to the next how you're going to be feeling and I have found myself thinking it's also a very personal and private matter for most people so how do you go through that how you know if only I have thought if only we could all take if we were going through this journey all take you know a chunk of time off and just say no questions asked I've got to head off and I've got to do this thing but you can't. And yeah, I guess you can probably tell from me rambling a little bit that I'm not sure I have the clear answer, but I've I've certainly thought about it myself from time to time. I think your answer shows that we're acknowledging the complexity of it and there's no, I guess, 
one answer that fits everyone. What I was thinking about when I looked at this question was, what's the work environment? So I think the big thing is how supportive and safe is your work environment? And if it was someone on my team that was in this position, what I would love as a leader is that they would come and say, this is where I'm at. And so that we can make sure the work environment is supportive for them, that it's okay, what do you need? How can we sit down and work out what's going to work for you in this time? Now, not every environment you feel safe to disclose where you're at and there is that kind of vulnerability that comes with it. But I would encourage you, if you've got a leader or someone in the organisation that you feel safe with, talk to them about what they think would be right in the context that you're working in because lots of leaders would love to know so that they can help you. I think most semi-decent people would want to be able to go, how can we support you through the next month of, you know, the all the ins and outs and all the ups and downs of when you find out how you've gone. And, and I don't know, I just think if it was, yeah, just really thinking about that environment and how do you want to set up the conversations? And it may not be that you need to take a chunk of leave off because the workplace might say, look, absolutely, you could have leave without pay, but you could also just wake up on the day and say, I'm not coming in because I'm not feeling great. And that might be better financially for you. And so just, there's just a few more options. I don't think it's either you have to work full time or whatever it is that you work and, or you have to take two months of leave without pay. This is not something that would work for everybody, but I have absolutely been aware of times when working from home has been a lever that's been pulled. So uh, somebody's going on this journey and for that period of time, you know, a few months even, they've actually worked from home full time. And that's given them the space. They've still been able to do their job. Uh, And this has all been in consultation with their boss. Uh, But they've also had that space to just, you know, not have to show up to the office every day to be more comfortable in their, you know, their home. And that's worked really well for them. So you're right, Shell, there are more options than than the either either leave without pay. And talking to your doctor or your, um, you know, practitioner, whoever your health practitioner is and asking them for what you might expect, like in terms of, will I feel more emotional? Will I, I'm obviously going to be more hormonal. What will that look like? And how will that impact me? And if, for example, you're more likely to be teary, being able to talk to your boss about that and say, hey, I'm just about to kick off my IVF treatment and I might be a little bit more emotional. I just want to give you the heads up on it. Well, that sort of conversation is just such a game changer at work because the more you can let someone in safely to where you're at, the more it can set you up for a lower stress environment. You mentioned the financial pressure potentially being at play. And in the fine print of this question, we have learned that some of the ideas that are kicking around in this person's head are around contributing financially to the household uh, and also, you know, not leaving the team uh, required to backfill. And so it's interesting also to consider the impact on other people, but ultimately, I like to think that, again, through conversations, everything is achievable. You know, you can have a conversation with your partner and decide between the two of you financially what you can cope with at the moment and and how that might look. 
if you're having an open conversation with a trusted leader, I, hopefully it's it's able to be your boss, then you might find that that relieves some of the pressure you're feeling within yourself about the ability for them to backfill your role, for example, as well. So yeah. you don't have to solve all the problems on your own either. Yeah, you don't have to have all the answers and have it all in this ni- nice little neat bow. I mean, that's just not life, right? The other thing I thought when you were talking there, M, was this idea of what about if I just had one day of leave without pay spread over the week? So I'm doing less hours and maybe I'm doing instead of nine to five, I'm doing nine to one. And that might be a kind of financial benefit to you, but also help just alleviate some of that pressure that you're feeling if the team are having to kind of pick up slack of your workload and all those other things that go on in your mind when you're thinking this through. So have a couple of options you can raise with your boss and then you actually get some ideas going. It doesn't have to be either or. Yeah, perfect. Love that. All right. Thank you so much for putting that question out there. Uh, Hopefully we got your mind ticking over to what some of your options are. Our final question to bring it home today. This one is uh, from a listener who heard the episode that we did with Dom Price. So if you haven't heard that one, this may inspire you to go back and have a listen. Have to listen. It's a must listen, isn't it? <laughs> it's got to be, is it your, it's absolutely your top three guests. I'm yes. wondering whether I'm, you know, you're as bold enough to say you're it's my- top one, but uh, we'll say top three. <laughs> yeah, top three. Not willing to pick a total fave. No, and no. look, we're still, you know, we're still meeting with new people. So we better not pin <laughs> it down too soon. But it was good, wasn't uh, it? It was really, really good. Okay. I've discovered my team leader is in fact a bad apple. Any tips on calling people out for bad behaviour when you haven't called them out once over the past two years? It feels strange to start pulling them up on things like pessimism, calling others' names behind their back and racism when they could just turn around and say, that's never bothered you before. Any advice would be much appreciated. Mm, Difficult. (laughs) It's a difficult situation to be in. We're laughing because we're like, yeah, we feel this. I'm laughing because you get to call it difficult and then you get to answer it. You get to solve this problem. For <laughs> Thank this you. Person. Thanks for that. Well, I do love nutting out these conversations. Complex conversations at work are my jam. Okay, so there's a bit of a formula I like to follow, and it is before you have a conversation, I want you to think through this framework. Core, so what's your core concern? What's the situation? So what was the example? What actually happened? And then what's the impact? So get it into that. It's CSI. It sounds really lame <laughs> saying it, but it just happens you've, to me. I don't think you've ever told me that before, that CSI. Like I know you've told me this formula, but you've told all of us this formula before. I don't think I've ever committed it to memory as CSI. Well, there you me- will, you'll remember it. because it's so lame. So lame. Yeah. CSI. <laughs> Sorry, corporate, se- corporate scene investigation. Um, okay, so core concern. Start with that. Write it down. It might be that they're pessimistic. That might be your core concern. And then you've got an example. Well, at a team meeting the other day, you brought forward an idea and that manager totally shut it down and said how terrible that idea was. So the pessimistic response to your ideas, that's your exam- example. And then you go into the impact. Well, what is the actual impact on you and on, on the team potentially? So you explain that. Well, it stops me from being able to raise ideas because I'm concerned at how you're going to respond, which means that we don't get to have creativity within this team. So you talk about the impact of the behaviour. Now, that's the kind of flow that I think works really well to raise concerns. Let's talk about now, once you've done your preparation, how you actually approach it. Because that's, a di- again, it's that added 
the probably the biggest challenge in it. Totally. And as this listener's explained, it's particularly challenging when for two years they haven't said anything to their bad apple boss and now they're all of a sudden out of the blue in the eyes of that boss bringing it to their attention. Yeah, totally. So the way I would approach it is first and foremost with vulnerability and it's this beautiful way of disarming someone's defensiveness. So that our natural response to constructive feedback is to get defensive. I think it's just human nature. So what you want to do in these scenarios is how do I disarm that person and get the barriers down so we can have a really healthy, authentic conversation? So for me, the way I would raise that is I would say, hi, boss, I need to talk to you about something and I feel a little bit uncomfortable or awkward about how to do this because I haven't raised anything in the past and I maybe I should have. So what you're doing there is acknowledging the thing that's worrying you. You're actually acknowledging A, that this is a difficult conversation and B, that maybe you should have raised it but you haven't known how, you haven't felt comfortable. And so what that does is it actually spells out the thing that you're kind of afraid of the vulnerability in that is really helpful. So that can cause them to lower their defences. And then the way I'd kind of wrap that little intro up is by asking a question and saying, is now a good time to talk about this? And then they can go, oh, this is going to be a tough conversation and am I prepared to have this right now? And if they say, no, but let's talk next week or whatever, no worries. But it just gives you that opening and by asking some open-ended questions, it helps to frame it up for them. And then you go into your core situation impact. So you share it and you use those I statements. So I felt like this as opposed to you always do this. So using those, that kind of language is a really good way to, again, it's, it's just you telling your story as opposed to using things that are like absolute statements, which again, get people on the defensive. You never do. You always do. Those kinds of things are um, words that cause people to get their kind of guard up. So that would be my encouragement to this person who's asked this question. Anything else though, Em, because I've just ranted on? Oh, you haven't ranted on. You've actually really beautifully summed up a nice uh, way of going about that conversation. My contribution would be a little disclaimer and a little, I guess, word of of wariness and to be aware of as you go into that conversation you are, whether whether this has been going on for two years and you're raising it for the first time or it's happened only recently and you're raising it in a quite a timely manner, you are giving feedback to someone that is probably going to be quite difficult for them to hear and that they're not necessarily expecting. So even though you've done that really wonderful work using Shell's script to disarm the conversation – you may still find that the person at the other side of this needs some processing time. And you can appreciate the sense of unease that you've been feeling in working yourself up to having this conversation. Well, they didn't even know it was coming. So they might need some time to then process a sense of unease before continuing the conversation. And it might be that this ends up happening in two parts and that you leave it with them to think about and then you agree to like come back together and have a bit more of a chat about it once they've had the opportunity to consider it. Yeah, that's really good, Em. And the only final remark I would have on this because this person has raised that there's been things like racism and and potentially bullying and those kinds of behaviours. If there's serious behaviours in the mix that your boss is 
exhibiting at work, we don't want to downplay that. So if you have like a HR team member, you can confidentially sound that out with them. That's actually part of their role. And I often get people saying, well, when do I go to HR? I I don't want to go to them. That's what they're there for. So ask to have a confidential chat, raise it and ask how they feel you should handle it. Because if it is something really serious like that, we want you to have those levers to be able to address them in a way that's going to get changed behaviour because you shouldn't have to put up with that at work. No, and it's not something you need to tackle on your own either. Yes, exactly. So I hope that's um, helped this person get clear on what to do next. That's all we've got time for today. It is, yeah. Because it is Sunday. <laughs> it is. And, and <laughs> we're look, hanging out. We are, but that's okay. We, when, you, when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. <laughs> That's your life motto. I tell myself that sometimes. <laughs> you tell yourself that on Mondays. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, as always, we love hanging out. We love all of our listeners. And thanks so much for connecting with us on LinkedIn. That's where we hang out. So we'd love to uh, get to know you there. And as always, if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating and review. Yeah, share it with your friends. Talk to you later. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.